my master's degree in nutrition and research at Bastyr University in Kenmore, Washington. And that was really where I said, this is something I want to do, you know, as a career and long term. And um, I was in the nutrition field for about nine years when I kind of figured out that a lot of people don't want to be healthy or um, they just weren't ready for the message I had because I really focused more on whole foods based nutrition. So I took a little bit of sabbatical from nutrition and I also became a massage therapist. And, and I uh, am now also a certified health and nutrition coach. So now I have blended those all together in which I do more of a whole body approach where I literally work on people's bodies. Um, and I also work on their mind and I work on their nutrition and their spirit. And I sort of combined those all together and happy to say that this is what I do day to day now again. So addressing a much broader area than just nutrition. That's excellent. Yeah. Because it, yeah. you have to see the whole picture. Exactly. Now, and yeah, for sure. And just tell me what you found out about nutrition. I know a lot of parents are concerned about that. They're, they're recognizing that what their child eats affects not only their health, but sometimes their behavior. What has been your experience? There is a lot of information in the media and in the research, and it is overwhelming. Um, I, I can only imagine as a parent um, with a child that has behavioral disorders or is on the spectrum, it's even more frustrating because you don't know where your child sits. And my approach is where every individual, and that includes children, are absolutely unique. There is no diet that's right for everyone. Um, there's as many diets as there are people on the planet. And I've really embraced that um, as I've gotten into being a health coach and a life coach because I was trained as a dietitian where you would go to the doctor and they'd pull a piece of paper out and go, oh, you're in this box. Here you go. Do this. And it doesn't work. And so my advice or my, my approach, I guess, is uh, I look at the individual and I start slow. I start with something as simple as water. Are they getting enough water? Are they hydrated? Um, a lot of times we think we're hungry when we're really thirsty. A lot of times we have digestion issues because we're dehydrated. And so water is a huge component. And replacing sugary drinks, especially those that are made out of high fructose corn syrup, have been shown to be very positive, not only because of the water benefit, but because of reducing that high fructose corn syrup. And I have seen, too, where people are, individuals and children are very sensitive to sugar or sugar products than other individuals. And so, you know, it's, it's about looking at your child or your individual or if it's an adult, it, that find them, meet them where they are and start there and start simple. Don't take everything out of their diet at once. Because if you do, you still don't know what it was that you took out that made a difference. So starting simple, um, I call it small hinges swing big doors starting with the building blocks of life water nutrition sunshine air things like that starting there is really a great place to begin with everyone um, in in starting a new uh, either a nutrition program or a health program or a lifestyle whatever the definition is or the term that you use you got to start simple you can't just go and pick out red dye number five which a lot I've read a lot about with behavioral disorders. And uh, we don't eat just red dye number five. We eat it with other things. So starting big, simple is the best way I've found with my clients to start to find the root of the cause or a solution to 
apparent disorders or behavioral or whatever the case may be in your family. I like that approach. It just makes sense to start simple. And have you seen any effects of changing a change yeah. diet? Absolutely. I have worked with mostly adults. I, as a nutritionist, I did work in WIC, which is Women, Infant, Children. It's a governmental program. And I worked with a lot of children there. And I was limited to what I could do because I was working for a governmental agency. Um, but I have found that when you work, when you start simple, even in the confines of the government agency, I was able to see change in individuals, small children, with something as simple as increase their water, decrease their soda, decrease their processed foods. You know, if they want a cookie, try cucumbers or tomatoes or banana or something that is, looks like what came out of the ground and resembles a whole food. I've also noticed a lot, both in myself and others, that it's not always about allergies. It's also sensitivities. And we are each and every one of us are so unique that you can't say that everybody who's of this descent is, um, you know, sensitive to dairy, um, or everyone who is from this culture shouldn't eat this. It's just not true anymore. We need to look at the individual and start testing it. Um, I have, as a child, I drink lots of milk. I was raised Dutch. My, you know, my family, I had family members who were on farms. And growing up, milk was okay. Now that I'm an adult, I really shouldn't have milk anymore because it really messes up my system. I'm not allergic. I'm just sensitive now. So it's not only the individual, it's based on the individual, but watch and monitor those changes over time. Mm -hmm. Yep, that, absolutely. That makes sense. I was interested in your comment that, you know, when you work for a governmental agency, you're limited on what you can say. I experienced that myself as a special mm -hmm. teacher. So now yeah. you're not working for a governmental agency. What are you more free to say? Uh, pretty much whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> because people are, <laughs> they're paying me for my expertise in, in having been through all these different steps of nutrition. You know, I, I have the nutrition and then the research and then so uh, then the agencies and then basically my own awakening into uh, whole food nutrition, true whole food nutrition. And, and it's kind of nice. It's freeing to be able to say you are different and that's awesome. Um, your child is different and that is amazing. Let's take that amazingness of that child or that individual and let's amplify it by giving them food that feeds their, um, their energy and feeds that individual and take away all the stuff that doesn't. And let's just start going through that slowly because sometimes it's, it's not uh, this um, impossible imposter, this, this, this villain who's hurting your individual, your child or your uh, you know, spouse or whatever. It's not always a big thing. Sometimes it's so small, but we get so wrapped up because I've done this. I've been there. We get so wrapped up in trying to fix it. We, we put blinders on that. Hey, let's start from one. Let's start from zero. What's the first step? We all want to be at step 12 and have the solution. And it just doesn't work that way. It, it is a process. I can really relate to that. I, I just want the end result. I just, you know, yeah. this process. Yes, we all do. <laughs> now, you talked about the whole foods nutrition. My understanding yeah. of that is that the diet, your diet should be mostly 
a plant, plant-based, you're eating foods as close to their natural source as possible. Uh, an example would be eating an apple would be healthier than eating apple pie. Is that, is that, is that how it works? That's exactly. That is exactly what whole foods nutrition is. And um, if you can go organic, great, but uh, most of the world can't afford it. And that's okay. There are ways to wash your vegetables or your fruits to try to get off any possible pesticides. Um, pesticides is a whole nother podcast altogether. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, you really can eat whole foods on a budget. When I have my individuals who come to me and say, what do I buy? And I always tell them, shop on the outside of your grocery store, not in the middle. And people look at me like, what? I go, next time you go in your grocery store, walk around the outside wall of your grocery store and notice what's there. It's always the bread, the bakery, the dairy area, the, the meat counter, all the fresh fruits and vegetables. All of that is always on the outside of the store. And the middle is always processed. And if you watch, the closer and the closer you get to the middle of the store, the more and more processed it is. I hadn't heard that to shop the outside, yeah. but I had not. Outside of the store. But I hadn't yeah. heard the closer to the inside, the more processed. But that makes sense. I have seen that. Mm -hmm. That's where you're highly, and you pick up the package and read it, and there is not a single term you can recognize as food. <laughs> It's man-made exactly. your, your, your pie filling, you know, lemon pie filling that doesn't have a speck of food in it or something like that. Exactly. And, and so that is my first recommendation. I'm not going to say to, I don't say to my clients, you can't have this, you can't have that, you can't have this. Because in your, in your mind, you, we, we really have uh, three brains. I know that seems not normal. But we actually have three areas of our brain that make it, that we use together to make a decision. We have the logical brain, which is what we think with every day. Like, hey, if I put my sock on, my feet will be warm. If I eat this apple, my tummy will be full. That's the logical brain. We then have the emotional brain, which propels us to do things out of emotion. You know, I'm sad. I'm going to go eat cookies because that makes me feel good because my cookies remind me of my mom an emotional component. You may not need cookies, but you're going to feel better because that emotion is being satisfied. And then you have what we call the primal brain, which is basically the brain that keeps you breathing, keeps your heart beating. And when you go to touch a hot stove, you pull your hand back. That's the primal brain. That brain is the one that says, hey, we haven't done this before. It may not be safe. Don't eat that apple. You know, don't eat the apple. Eat the apple sauce or eat the apple pie. And mm -hmm. Um, and, and you have to get all those rings to agree. And a lot of times with a child, yet it's not even a possibility because they don't understand the concepts. But it's more of presenting the food as, hey, this is good. This is healthy. Let's make it fun. Kids like fun. Um, and helping them find ways to get want to ingest it. Because basically, once they get to a certain age, you can't shove that spoon in their mouth anymore because they're going to spit it out. Yes. Um, and, and getting it so that the body welcomes the change versus saying, I don't want to, it's not fair, and then they resist. And we all do it. I mean, we all have that inner child where if we don't want to do it, we find a hundred reasons why we're not going to do it. Oh, I agree. When you were talking earlier, <laughs> you were finding that not everyone wants to be healthy. It's like 
I do want to be healthy, but don't take away my donuts. You know, it's exactly. (laughs) And and a lot of parents deal with children who are picky eaters. And some parents feel like I can only feed my child what they want to eat. But you made some interesting Mm -hmm. comments of how you present it and making it fun. And I was immediately picturing apple slices in a floral design rather than just handing them a whole apple or Mm -hmm. what experience have you had with working with parents and how to make healthy food more appealing to their children? Oh, absolutely. I come from a, I have a very picky child. (laughs) He's eight Ah. now. And I mean, I'm a nutritionist, right? He should have the healthiest eater on the planet, eater on the planet. Uh He does well. But, you know, I have struggled with that myself because I'm like, you're my kid. You should eat avocados and apples, you know, that this is something you should eat. And, um, and he, he does eat some of those, not the avocados, but he was, uh, it was hard for me and I, I breastfed. Um, so I did that. I thought, woohoo, I'm doing good. And he won't drink, he wouldn't drink milk at all. He won't drink still to this day. He won't drink milk. Uh-huh. Um, there are certain things that he likes to eat that people consider unhealthy. And I just try to buy the ver- best version. Like he loves hot dogs. So I try to buy the best version of hot dogs that I can find, you know, and some people may be appalled. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? He's still my child and I balance his meals in other ways. So if he has a hot dog here and there, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to take the hot dog away from him because I think he needs to eat Brussels sprouts, you know, cause he's not going to do that. So I, I find ways to balance other areas of his diet and I let him have a hot dog and try to just find the best form of a hot dog I can. He likes chicken nuggets. So I try to make homemade chicken nuggets. I've tried different chicken tenders. I make them at home. Sometimes I buy them because I'm busy. Everybody's busy. So just try to find the best version of them. And in the diet, in the grocery aisle, we are really getting a lot more healthy alternatives to process or pre-prepared foods. And, and parents are busy. I mean, I'm, we're not all home, make, you know, at home making our own cookies and our own bars and milking a cow. I mean, we just don't have that time, right? Yeah, so, do. yeah. So I try to balance, I find a balance. So with him as a child, um, one of the things he'll eat is edamame, which is also a soy product. Um, but the edamame comes in a little pod and you have to pop the little edamame beans out of the pod and they're really high in protein. They are a soy product. Some individuals cannot tolerate soy and that's okay. But he thinks it's hilarious to just pop those little beans out of the pods. So I, you can eat with your hands. And he thought it was the coolest thing. And to this day, he asks for them. Hey, I want some edamame, mom. Okay, cool. Because it's better than asking for cookies. And he likes it because it's a finger food. Yes. Now you talked about finding the best version. So when you're, yeah. I'm assuming you read labels. What are you looking for? Just the, the least amount of terms Ingredient. you can't pronounce. I've heard if you can't pronounce yeah. it, don't eat it. <laughs> yep. Um, there are um, some really, help, really good ways to, eat, to read labels and not feel overwhelmed. The first thing is the least amount of ingredients possible. Okay. So if you have two products and one has six and one has 26, go for the one with six. That's the first thing, uh-huh. is, which, is, which has those shorter list of ingredients. The second thing you uh, want to take a look at 
is, you know, there are going to be some preservatives when especially frozen food, you have to preserve them. Is getting to know what the words are that are more uh, more commonly used that are like, you know, salt water, you know, a brine. There's all these different sides, different words for ways to preserve citric acid, you know, is something that I use a lot to preserve foods. But, you know, kind of getting like, it's like you said, if you can't pronounce it or you don't know what it means, probably don't eat it. But there are some things you're going to find in everything. They use glutamate a lot of times to preserve foods, to keep the freshness. So, but yeah, if you see words that are monosoto, gluteo, you know, processed, polysaturated, I mean, those kinds of really long words, they are basically screaming, I am chemically processed. Um, Because those things don't happen in nature. I mean, citric acid. Okay, that's easy. You can get it from oranges, citric acid. You know, um, certain kinds of gums. They use gums in preservation, you know, that you could eat and they wouldn't hurt you. So yeah, short list. If you can't read it, you probably don't want to eat it. Although I know we all do at times we have to because you're starving and you have to stop and grab fast food. The third thing to do is I would look at the expiration date. It's really simple. It's an easy thing. You don't have to be able to read the label to be, if this expires in five years, hmm, there's probably a lot of stuff in this that makes it highly shelf stable. You actually want the shorter shelf life because that you know it's closer to the original food if it can't stay shelf stable as long. They haven't put as many preservatives in it. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I, I had never thought of that before that, well, like they say about the Twinkie, you know, you, you could mm-hmm. put a Twinkie in your cupboard and eat it 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be exactly it, the same. <laughs> exactly the same. And so, you know, it's easy to make it complicated and I like to take the approach of making it simple. So with my clients, when I say, what do I do when I go shopping? I, and I usually say shop on the outside of the store, start there. You're going to buy stuff in the middle, but stay on the outside as much as possible. You're going to buy process. Look at the ingredients. The shorter the list of ingredients, the better. Look at the expiration date. It expires in four years. Don't get that one because you don't know how long it's already been sitting there. And the last thing is just use good judgment. I mean, if you look at the picture and it looks kind of nasty, you know, like it's, you know, don't, don't get it. You know, if it says, full of, you know, if it says GMO free, okay, that's going to be a better one. Or if it's going to say no fillers, you know, if you're getting a little bit closer to the best possible product. Um, there's a lot of great brands. Like if you go to Whole Foods or Fresh Time, they have lots of great organic stuff. You know, those are also very important. If you can get organic, fantastic. But a lot of my clients can't afford it. So I don't start there. I end there. If you can get organic, awesome. And I like your idea of looking at the whole picture, you know, rather mm-hmm. than trying to be a purist and, oh, no, we had to eat some fast food. Just the majority of the time you're eating healthy. You're looking at mm-hmm. the picture. I like that. That's much more durable for parents nowadays. It is. Yeah, and it's also, we have this body shaming thing, especially women, but men can do it too. And we have this, the shaming that we've been taught. Um, oh, that you've been bad because you ate a chocolate cupcake. No, it's, it wasn't poison. Was it poison? No, it wasn't poison. So you're fine. It's a chocolate cupcake, you know? Um, and we have this shaming that we have, have uh, accepted as part of our culture. And it's so wrong. Because we get this, we're like a little hamster on a wheel. We eat the cupcake, we feel bad, we feel worse, 
So we go eat cookies and then we feel bad and then we feel worse. We go eat the ice cream because we try to find the comfort and we will never, ever get comfort from food. We get comfort from, you know, internal work, you know, working on yourself. You get comfort from loved ones. You get comfort from friends. Food will never, ever wrap its arms around you and say, I love you. That is a powerful thought that we will never get comfort. <laughs> How desperately we try to get comfort from food, and yet it is, yeah. like you said, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. More often than not, the food actually makes us feel worse and worse and worse. And then we don't eat or some binge or, you know, I mean, we all respond differently because we're all unique um, in how we respond. And it's just, especially with kids, um, kids, they, they really go off our off the parents. I mean, I know my son, if he does something, he looks at me and goes, how did she react? I'm going to react how she reacts. Uh-huh. And, and, and they, they learn those good and bad traits and from us I mean I do it with my son I'm like oh and he's like oh my gosh I'm so sorry and I'm like oh it's not that big of a deal you just spilled something you know but I react not because it's a big deal but this I react and so he gets upset and so if we just go okay let's make good decisions here or you know and if you shame a child or you shame yourself or you shame the loved a shame a loved one for food choices that that goes deeper than the food damage the damage the food will ever do the shame will do more damage to that body than the food will because shame and hurt and judgment it gets into our tissues and i truly truly believe that so many of our body conditions are not based on food alone it's based on the emotion that we store based on experiences abuse um, just your own self-confidence not being there and we store all those emotions and some people store them in their their hips and some store it in their bellies and some store it in their ankles or wherever your body wants to put it and then you have to work through not only the food but those emotions that you've stored based around food consumption so this is going beyond just what we call eating eating because you're sad and want to comfort yourself but eating Mm -hmm. due to these emotions that are stored in your body is that right and you're yeah exactly so with kids to come full circle so with a kid or a child or even a young adult if they are shamed or they feel shamed or they feel like a disappointment to a parent or someone they look up to and it's because they ate something they are going to react and that could come out as you know sadness or a behavior it could be if they are have a short fuse or if my son is super soft-hearted and he will cry at the drop of a hat um he is my child uh, <laughs> definitely he's very emotional but i have had to learn how to interact with him so that he doesn't take everything so emotionally personal um, and I'm not saying to be soft. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying each child is in unique. And if you shame them around their food or punish them with their food, then if there is a behavior a tendency for a behavioral issue, it will trigger it. And triggers are another big thing I work with with my clients is what is the trigger that makes you binge, overeat, emotionally eat, get angry? There's always a trigger. And Part of learning your child is understanding what those triggers are, which I know parents who have 
individuals with on the spectrum or autism or just behavioral disorders in general, they're, they usually know those triggers fairly well. Yes. And for some, it could be rebellion. You shame them yeah. for eating the food. Boy, they're going to make sure they eat that every day. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is a very true. It's a they react to you. So making food a a gift to the body and uh, a, a you know I with my adult my adult patients I talk to them about if they have a, a poor relationship with food I say make love to your food you know enjoy it when it's in your mouth savor it don't just wolf it down and swallow it whole enjoy it enjoy the experience you know and sometimes with my child we get goofy and I'm like who can chew our bite of food the most because technically you're supposed to chew each bite of food 30 times which the average person does seven chews per bite so we'll sit at the table and we'll both be chewing 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 to see who can chew the most and meanwhile he thinks it's hilarious but I'm actually teaching him how to chew and to have better cells you know better digestion of that food that he's eating because he's chewing it so much so I make it a game and then he thinks it's hilarious so that's brilliant I've also heard <laughs> put your fork down every you know just and, and you're yeah. right you know I sometimes especially when we're at work we feel like I have 10 minutes to eat lunch and and you're just mm-hmm. shoving down as much as you can in the allotted time but if you yep. just took time to enjoy mm-hmm. it, to chew it, I, 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 30 times, wow, that's, <laughs> I know I haven't gotten that in, so there's a new goal for me. It's wow. tough. I try to, too, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it feels like just mush in my mouth, but that's what you want. You want kind of a mushy, because it mixes all the saliva in there, so again, it's, but small changes, big doors, uh, or small hinges, big doors. And uh, meaning like, you know, water, chewing, chewing the food completely sometimes is so important for digestion issues, you know, and, and for specific food types, you know, maybe instead of saying you cannot have any sugar, maybe you have, you know, okay, you can have one piece, uh, one, one chocolate chip cookie, but then you have to eat a banana, you know, or you have to have an eat an apple to be able to have some fruit snacks. You know, and I do that with my child because it's hard to just refuse them everything that every child around them is allowed to have. Yeah, 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 that's true. Now, you've mentioned water again. Does that requirement also vary from individual? I'm I'm quite sure. It does. Don't drink enough water. I I know. I suspect Mm -hmm. I don't. (laughs) I think a lot of us don't unless you have it as part of your habit. My, uh, my husband was an avid non-drinker. He would not drink water to save his life. He's like, I don't need it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so I challenged him because, you know, men love to be proved their wives wrong. So I yeah. said, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to drink this, this 30 ounce container of water and you can put little water flavoring in it or, or, you know, I don't want him to drink soda. I'm like, you can drink water. You can put some water flavoring in it. I'm fine with that. I challenge you to drink that for 10 days straight. And then after the 11th day, stop drinking it and see how your body reacts. And he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to pee like crazy. I'm like, yeah, you are. Your kidneys are going to love you. So he did it for the first few days and he was griping about, oh, I have to pee all the time at work. I'm like, so 
And by the seventh day, he had forgot his water bottle when he went to work. And he actually called me and said, I am dying of thirst. I'm going to go over to the grocery store and buy a big bottle of water because I forgot my water today. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I said, so he got home. I'm like, so how's the water thing working out? And he's like, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> so he drinks a 32 thing ounce of water every day now because he literally, his body has gotten used to having it. It needs it because it was basically major dehydration all the time. So it, it's one of those things. So yeah, if you start increasing your water way too much at once, you are going to have to go to the bathroom constantly. It's actually okay um, because you're cleaning out your kidneys and, and your body will become accustomed to it and you will get to a point that is good for you. They usually like the generic recommendation is half your body weight in ounces. So, I mean, that's a good amount of water you know, regardless of what size you are, that is, a you know, you think about the average adult, you know, between 150, 200 pounds, that's 75 to 100 ounces a day. So, but also remember, another thing is like, when you drink other things like iced tea, or some juice does count, um, anything that's caffeinated, though, you're, you lose. So if it's coffee, if it's caffeinated iced tea, things like that, you basically if you drink a glass of water for every glass of iced tea, you're zero because you lose so much water when you drink coffee and iced tea, caffeinated, anything caffeinated, you lose water because you pee even more. So and, I usually yeah. say you can have your coffee, but you have to drink two glasses of water now. <laughs> but I like that. Start simple. Yep. Look at the big picture. And everybody's yeah. big picture. And remember, you're unique. Don't do what the person sitting next to you did or what the lady at church did for her child. You can try it, but don't put your expectation on success or your worth of success because it helps someone else. It's worth a suggestion, but don't, you know, they're so unique. Don't, don't say to yourself, I'm a failure. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad because this one thing didn't work good for my child. Well, you know what? Try something different. So many different ways. Yep. And I like that being open to try something else, being open to adapt. You don't give up and throw it away. You just keep trying mm -hmm. like that. Try keep something. trying. Excellent. So yeah. do you have online resources for parents? In nutrition? Um, I, I do have a website and I'm building a library not all the way up yet it's on my to-do list and I'm building it in the background but once I do I'm going to have documents that anybody can access and one of them will be just some fairly simple guidelines um, and so I will I will let you know as soon as I have that up but it's on my to-do list um, my biz, my website name is aqua lotus healing arts and um, I'm going to have a resource page and some of the resources will just be linked there are a lot of amazing nutritionists out there and why should I tell you how to do it if they tell you how to do it better so a lot of those will be linked to different areas and that will help you find the resource because let's be honest you put it into Google and you get 300 million hits how do you know which one's good so I'm going to have this resource page sort of uh, vetted for you is like these are ones that I think are great and in my opinion you know this is free to you. Go ahead and feel free to click on it. So, so you'll do the filtering for us. We don't have to wait yeah. the 350 million articles. You <laughs> do that. 
we can go to your website. I'm going to have a link to your website on my podcast page so people can go there too. This is right. valuable, yeah. valuable information, Anna. Anything else you want to add? Just that I do do health coaching over the phone. Um, and um, so if anyone is in need of health coaching or would like to set up an appointment, you can also do that from my website. And um, most of the time, if I work with a child, uh, they would need to be probably closer to 12 or 13 to be on the phone by themselves, just because they don't absorb, <laughs> you know, um, but I have worked with young children and I had a few uh, eating disorders that I've worked with the young children. Um, they were like 15, 16. So that just kind of keep that in mind. Wonderful, wonderful resource. So, and we get to talk to you again next time because you also, in all of your training, you have also studied aquacranial therapy. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time and have a great day. You too. Thank you. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Supportive Families. This is Emily Penrod, and my guest today is Dr. John Sanders, a family doctor who is pioneering a new approach to health care. Dr. Sanders, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Emily. And can you tell us about this pioneering approach? Yes. My, my company is called Voyage Direct Primary Care. I'm trying to change the paradigm of healthcare in America. It's a model that is actually a national model that's gaining momentum nationwide. Many doctors are fed up with the insurance companies and with the care that is, is they're forced to deliver under this model. And so this is kind of like stepping back in time, practicing old school medicine where we're available for 30 to 60 minute visits and available via text or, or phone call after hours and, and, uh, easy to get into and, and just easy to, uh, just to deliver a different healthcare product to people. Well, I'm intrigued with your, you said 30 to 45 